0: Thank you for giving some time to honor and worship our God. He is worthy of it, isn't He? Well, if you would take your Bible at this time and turn to the Gospel of Mark, we're going to continue on with our series, The Serving Savior. By the way, we started this series back in April of 2021, and here we are just over a year later. And uh, this message is message number 41 in this uh, series, Uh, the longest series I have ever preached in my entire life, Um, but uh, I've enjoyed it and I'm I'm learning and and growing as a result and and I hope that you have as well as you've been here and uh, I want to encourage you to continue to be faithful as we wrap this up. We're we're well over halfway through this series, so I hope that uh, you'll plan to be here for the rest of it. Mark chapter 10, and we're going to read verses 28 through verse 31, and uh, if you're there, if you would stand, if you're able to, uh, for the reading of God's Word out of respect and reverence for the Holy Word of God. Mark chapter 10, verses 28 through verse 31, the Bible says this, Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all, and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold, now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. Our Lord, we're thankful for this service and the opportunity to gather together, assemble together. Lord, it is a beautiful thing when uh, believers are able to meet together in one location for the worship of our great God and Lord, to hear from you. And Lord, I pray that you would bless this time, help it to be profitable, And I pray, Lord, that all of us would have an open heart to You and to Your Word. And, uh, Lord, I pray that we would be willing to not just be good hearers, but then to uh, be good doers of what we hear so that we don't deceive ourselves. And, Lord, I pray that uh, You'd receive glory for all that goes on. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. title of the message this morning is uh, the title of the song, the last hymn that we just sang, I Surrender All. And I want to start this morning uh, by reading actual responses from comment cards given to staff members of a wilderness recreation area. And number one, trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. That's a good suggestion. Number two, too many bugs, spiders, and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness area to get rid of these pests. I think that was my wife who wrote that, uh, actually. <laughs> uh, number three, please pave the trails. Chairlifts need to be in so in in some places so that we can get to wonderful views without having to hike them number four the coyotes made too much noise last night and kept me awake please eradicate these annoying animals number five a small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles is there a way i can get reimbursed please call number six Escalators would help on steep uphill sections. Uh, Number seven, a McDonald's would be nice at the trailhead. And number eight, this is an interesting one, too many rocks in the mountains. (laughs) (laughs) Now, these comments and complaints indicate that the people who made them do not really understand what it means to be in a wilderness area. They were looking for something convenient and comfortable which does not come with a territory in a wilderness area. But similarly, many people claim to be a disciple or follower of Jesus Christ and don't truly understand what that really involves. They don't get that being a disciple of the Lord Jesus involves a sacrifice, that it involves service and it involves uh, surrender. That it's not always comfortable and not always convenient. But it is always worth it, can I tell you that. Now last Sunday we took some time as we uh, looked at the previous passage uh, to examine this poor rich man that came running to Jesus. This was a young man who seemed to have it all. He had riches. He had rank. He even had religion. But he was missing the most important thing, a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when faced with God's character and God's command, and ultimately his own condition, he he made a choice to go away grieved. He came running to Jesus knowing that he was missing something, and he left still missing something. Why? Because he wasn't willing to surrender all in order to follow Christ. Now, if we are going to be real disciples of the Lord Jesus in our day and age, we must be willing also to surrender all. Now, after our Lord gives the lesson on the danger of riches to his disciples, Peter raises his hand and does what Peter does best. He opens his mouth. <laughs> and, uh, and this time... Uh, I, I, I can almost imagine him trying to be the teacher's pet, so to speak, in, in his uh, statement in verse number 28, and uh, asking uh, what kind of reward he will receive for surrendering all in order to follow Christ. Now, I imagine the other disciples were, uh, as Peter opens his mouth, they're kind of cringing. You know, it's like, oh, no, not this again. Uh, The Lord's going to, the Lord's going to ream Peter and we have to kind of, he's going to go into a big lesson and we're going to like, Peter, why don't you just please be quiet and keep your thoughts to yourself instead of always opening your mouth. And we're the ones that have to get the brunt of it. And I imagine they were going, oh no, another rebuke from the Lord. But instead, as we just read, the Lord actually graciously answers this question. And so, with that in mind, today I want to dive into this passage of Scripture and, and look at this concept of, I surrender all. First, I want us to see, in verse 28, the pursuit of the disciples. The pursuit of the disciples. And by the way, there is no, other, no greater pursuit than the pursuit that Peter mentioned that they made. In verse 28, Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all, and have followed thee. What a great pursuit to pursue the Lord. And we're told in the scriptures that we are to seek the Lord. We are to seek after him. Psalm 105 and verse number four says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Proverbs 28 and verse five says, Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. So it's a very profitable and worthy pursuit to seek the Lord and wonder wonderful truth about those who seek the Lord, they always find what they're looking for. Jesus promised in Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. So they pursued the Lord. And how did these disciples, though, pursue the Lord? And how should we? Well, notice first, Uh, they forsook all. They forsook all. In verse 28, Peter said, Lo, we have left all. They left all. See, as opposed to the poor rich man, and this comes right on the heels of what we just looked at last Sunday, as they uh, heard about um, what this young man was called to do by the Lord Jesus, and he wasn't willing to do it, Peter goes, Well, we were. And, uh, you know, they were willing to leave their family and their careers. As you uh, take a little time to examine these uh, 12 disciples of the Lord Jesus, um, the, the Bible actually doesn't provide a lot of information on uh, what Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Thaddeus, uh, Judas Iscariot, or James, the son of Alphaeus, did before they were disciples. It doesn't give a lot of information or any really background to what they did before. But whatever they, whatever they were, they were willing to let those things go in order to follow Christ. But for Andrew, Peter, James, and John, we do know what their previous uh, profession was, what their career was before they followed Christ. They were fishermen. Well, how did they respond when they were called to follow the Lord? Well, to Peter and Andrew, Jesus said this to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. the next verse says, And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Well, going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And what did they do? They immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. So they were willing to forsake all. Simon was known as the Zealot and uh, wasn't strictly a profession, um, but Zealots, of course, engaged in politics and anarchy, attempting to overthrow the Roman government. And so Simon may have been a politician or a revolutionary, whatever it was, he was willing to drop it all in order to follow Christ. And then, of course, there was Matthew, who was also known as Levi, who worked as a tax collector for the Roman government. He would have acquired some education and reputation to achieve this type of a job. And his job provided him, no doubt, with considerable wealth because tax collectors in those days earned a portion of what they collected. So Matthew had a great job, uh, great money, and uh, a lot of reputation. I'm sure there were some people who probably didn't like him that much. But but still, I mean, he kind of was able to live it up. And uh, what, what, what? How did he respond? Well, he basically just got up one day after Jesus called him. He got up from what he was doing and ended up following the Lord. Just left, right in the middle of his workday. He left it all. He left it all. Are we willing to leave it all for the Lord? I'm not saying that you need to go quit your job tomorrow in order to follow Christ. Uh, please don't do that and say, my pastor told me I had to quit. No, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. No, no. Uh, but are there things in our lives that we're holding on to that we're not, God says, let it go. And we're like, uh-uh. You can't have this. You can't have my job. You can't have my money. You can't have my future. You can't have it. Uh-uh, that's mine. Uh, these people, these men said, we have left all. And if we're going to really pursue the Lord, we're going to have to be willing to surrender everything. It doesn't mean that God's going to make us give up everything. But we need to be willing to. And these men were indeed willing to. So what are you holding on to that God is calling you to leave behind? Andrew Murray said this, and this is a profound statement. God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life wholly yielded to him. I'm going to read that again. God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life wholly yielded to him. Can I encourage all of us to be wholly yielded to him? And when we do, look, we're in good hands. And he is well capable of taking care of us. And Jesus was very well of taking care of these disciples after they had indeed left all. So they forsook all, but then notice uh, next here, they didn't just forsake all, but they also followed Christ. In verse number 28, he said, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. It wasn't enough for them to forsake all, they also had to follow something, or rather, follow someone. We see this principle in marriage, don't we? A man shall leave his father and mother, and then cleave unto his own wife. And see, we are to leave the things of this world and cleave to the Lord Jesus Christ and to follow him. In Ephesians and in the book of Colossians, both in these two epistles, we find the instruction for us to, this this idea of replacement, um, that we need to give up some things and then we need to replace it. And uh, the the phraseology in those books has to do with putting on and putting off. So I have here a jacket that I'm going to put on. Oh, this is going to hurt to put this on. Oh. Okay, please, no pictures, seriously. Um, thank you for not taking any pictures. Okay, but in the, in, in, in the book of Colossians and in the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul talks to these churches and said, hey, you need to put off the old man, okay? And so we're going to call this the old man, okay? Because this is not the new man at all. Uh, this is the old life. This is, this is the, uh, yeah, I just, I can't say enough, can't, can't say enough about how much I want to be out of this jacket, <laughs> okay? So we take this off, but then we need to put something on to replace it. And we put on the new man. And so we see this principle in the scriptures that we are to, yes, forsake, but then we are to then follow someone. Remember when I was, I've shared this illustration and, and, and what happened in my life uh, many times, but I'll share it again very briefly. When I first started, uh, I first started growing in my Christian life. I started attending a Baptist church in the area that I, that I lived and and it seemed like, it seemed like every message had to do with getting rid of rock music. And the the, the struggle with it is, and, and again, this is going to show my age, but I had just joined a cassette of the month club. <laughs> <laughs> what are cassettes? You'll have to ask your parents, teens. Okay. Uh, but I got I, I just joined it. It was like a penny, um, and then you have to like buy the cassettes per month at regular price, but if you do the penny and you get like 10 cassettes for free. And so I was like, man, this is great. And I had just joined that, and I had just gotten all this music that I wanted to listen to, inappropriate music um, that that did not honor God at all. And I just got got this. Well, I started going to this church, and, and the preacher's preaching on music like almost every service. I mean, Mother's Day, and he preaches on music. And I'm like, why would you preach on music on Mother's Day? But he did. And uh, somehow the, the Holy Spirit was entering or inserting that into his sermons. And I don't know if he had it in his notes. It just came out because Eric needed to hear it. Okay, well, here's the principle. Um, when the Lord finally got a hold of my heart, and he's like, Eric, you need to get rid of that music. I know you just signed up for all of it. I know you've invested some money. It's time to get rid of it. So I went and, and into my room with a black trash bag and I put all my music. I opened that drawer and I got all those cassettes and, and, and I was even becoming modern. I had a couple CDs. Anyway, I got all that and I put it in my black trash bag and I thought, well, maybe I take this to uh, Warehouse. Warehouse was a music store in the area in which I lived and, and uh, they would buy old music And I thought, well, maybe I could do this, get some of my money back, you know, and I went, you know what, then I'm putting this music back into circulation. I don't need to be doing that. So I went to the backyard, opened my uh, big trash can and put that black trash bag in there, closed it. So I was forsaking that, but now it was time I need to get some good music into my life. So I began to Uh, find some good music, some hymns, and some things that were honoring to the Lord, and I added those to my collection. So I didn't just have this vacancy and this void in my life. I replaced it with something that was right. And these disciples, yes, they left many things, but then they went to what was right. And so this morning, if God's calling you to forsake some things, do it, but then make sure that you're replacing those things with something that is right, something that is godly, putting off the old and then replacing it with the new. And if we're going to effectively follow Christ, by the way, it will be evident in our love for others, and we talked about it in our Sunday school class this morning, and it will evident ourselves in the fact that we'll love them enough to want to give them the gospel and indeed become fishers of men, as the Lord called Peter and Andrew to do hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And if we're really following the Lord, it's going to uh, cause us then to desire to lead others to the Lord. So Peter declares the pursuit of the disciples in contrast to the young rich ruler who went away grieved. So he spoke up and said, hey, we have left all and have followed thee. David Livingston, a tremendously successful missionary, in Africa who spent most of his days, and uh, I'll put this little asterisk in here. He did focus a little too much, in my opinion, on the ministry, and as a result, uh, lost a lot of his family, and so I'm not necessarily advocating that all of us go and follow David Livingston's example to the fullest, but here's what he did say, and and God did use him in a great way, and, and I don't want to minimize his ministry. But uh, people talk of the sacrifice, David Livingston said, that I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be a call to sacrifice, which is simply acknowledging a great debt that we owe to our God, which we can never repay, repay? Is that a sacrifice which brings its own reward and healthful activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and a bright hope of a glorious destiny? It is emphatically no sacrifice, he said. Rather, it is a privilege, anxiety, sickness, suffering, danger, forgoing the common conveniences of this life. These may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink, but let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing compared with the glory which shall later be revealed in and through us. I never made a sacrifice, Livingston said. Of this we ought not to talk when we remember the great sacrifice which He made who left His Father's throne on high to give Himself for us. Good perspective. So you say, well, that's too big of a sacrifice to surrender all. Not when you consider the sacrifice He made on the cross for us. And uh, David Livingston said, look, please don't even talk about the sacrifice i've made it's no sacrifice it's it's a privilege to serve the king of kings and the lord of lords and so we see the pursuit of the disciples and that leads us to next here the promises for the disciples so i again i'm thinking i'm putting myself in 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 that scenario and peter's standing over here and he raises his hand and says uh yeah well we left all and followed thee. What's in it for us? And I'm one of those other disciples and I'm going, Oh no. Peter, can't you just be quiet? Seriously, you're going to get us all in trouble. I, I don't, I don't, I, we don't need any more trouble. You keep causing trouble. But that's not what Jesus responds with, though. Instead, he gives them some promises. He recognizes the fact that they have indeed left all and that they have followed Him. And so in verse 29 and verse 30, He gives, us some prom- gives them some promises. Verily I say unto you, verse 29, there is no man that hath left house or brethren, sisters, father or mother, wife or children, lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. And He also mentions at the end of that verse in the world to come eternal life. Now, if you compare this passage with Matthew's record of this uh, same instance, here's what he told the disciples that was unique to them. Matthew 20, 19, 28 says, And Jesus said to them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So that was a unique promise to those disciples who had left all to follow Him. But then there's disciple, Then there's these promises that are uh, for each one of us, if we are willing to forsake all, in order to follow Him. What are those promises? Well, first, the promise of present blessings. Present blessings. In verse number 30, it says, He shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Most of us are aware that God has some rewards for us in glory, and we'll talk about that here in a moment. But also there's some rewards for us in the here and now, for those who do decide to forsake all and pursue the Lord, follow Him. So for those who decide to pursue Christ over the things of this world, for those who decide to pursue Him over possessions or power, popularity or pleasure, there is a special promise for this life, In essence, they would be blessed beyond measure. The Lord would greatly reward those who are willing to sacrifice for him on the advancement of the gospel. One hundredfold. One hundredfold in verse number 30. He shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Now while I know that I haven't been perfect and forsaking all to follow Christ throughout my life, I'm far from it, But as one who has tried to dedicate my life to serving the Lord, and again, far from perfect in it, I can still attest to the fact that God has amazingly blessed me above that which I could ever imagine. Yeah, with with things that you say, well, does that mean you're super rich? Depends on what you mean by rich. If you're just talking about money, I mean yeah compared to many people in this world I am but but I'm not just talking about the financial uh richness I'm talking about the spiritual richness and 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 family and this family that I get to be part of the the ability to serve the lord and and see god work and change lives is and be a part of that is a blessing that is hard to really uh, articulate in words. See, there are blessings that God does give in this life. Uh, what, what are some of the ones that he mentions here? He says in verse number 30, they, He shall receive a hundredfold, now in this time, houses. Houses. So does this mean that those who forsake all and those who you know leave their house... And uh, in order to follow Christ, are going to be these real estate tycoons? No. It does mean now we are... I, there There's so many homes that now I have the welcome to. Here in Oklahoma, uh, there's a possibility. Um, just two days ago, we celebrated the ninth anniversary of the 2013... EF-5 tornado that came through and destroyed a good chunk of more. And in that one day, hundreds, thousands of Mooranians were homeless. And you know, as I, as I, if, that, if that were to happen, and tonight there's a tornado that comes and destroys just my home, I, I imagine... Maybe I'm pre- being a little presumptuous here, but I imagine that, that one or maybe more of you would say, hey, pastor, why don't you and your family come and stay with us for a few weeks while you get this thing figured out? And, and I would say, hey, look, if that happened to you, I would hope that there would be uh, people in this church who would say, hey, look, you're welcome in our home. And if that's not true for everybody else in this room, you're welcome in our home. See that's the that's the deal. They now now these disciples were walking about, and now there was all a bunch of homes that they were now welcome in and available to be in. It wasn't like that they had ownership of all these homes, but they had the welcome in these homes. Um, when he says here in verse thirty, uh, "Brethren, sisters, and mothers, and children," he's talking about the spiritual family that now they're going to have, and. They're going to have these other men who become their brothers and, and ladies who are believers who become their sisters in Christ and, and elderly ladies who become their mothers in the Lord and, and uh, their care for them like mothers would and, and, and young children who are now their children. And, and again, it's not, it's not saying, look, you need to go and leave your family today. But there have been many who have who've needed to leave um, a hostile family situation in order to uh, be obedient and follow the Lord. And when that happens, guess what? When you become part of the family of God, there are so many brothers and sisters now that you have, and and you're going to receive those a hundredfold. As I look across this room, you are my brothers and sisters. You are, some of you ladies who may be a couple years older than me, are my mothers in the Lord. I don't have a mom physically anymore. And so I appreciate those of you who have kind of taken a little bit of that, that role in my life. Now, you are, you're not trying to mother me and tell me what to do. That's not it. You're trying to just care for me and, and help. And I, and I appreciate that. And, and this is the type of blessings that uh, Jesus is referring to. Um, he also mentions lands and 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 I, I don't know exactly what that means but uh, the Lord will have a way of figuring that out and, and making us know what that is. I don't really know um, but uh, but notice if you compare verse 30 with verse 29, one of the things he mentioned here in verse 29 those who left father or wife those two are not, mentioned in verse number 30 he leaves off fathers and wives from verse 29 why is that well because we don't need multiple fathers because we have all we need in our relationship with our heavenly father and he leaves off wives because it would have been inappropriate to promise a 100 wives for these men I mean that's a 100 mother-in-laws I thought this was supposed to be a blessing you know (laughs) Uh, just kidding. I have a wonderful mother-in-law whom I love very much and who gave me a wonderful lady for me to marry. Um, but that's why he didn't include, uh, if you go and study that out, like, hey, he, meant, he, didn't, he didn't mention fathers and, and, and wives in verse 30 as part of the blessing. It's part of the promise. Those are the reasons. And uh, I like what he says here in verse number 30. He shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Not not one day in glory, okay? God does promise those who do pursue Him that there would be a blessing in this day and in this time. So there's the promise of present blessings, but there's also the promise of, well, this one's an interesting one, persecutions. Persecutions, in verse number 30, He says, with persecutions. This is a fine advertisement. And I think lest this become this uh, list of perks and benefits of pursuing the Lord, he includes these two words, with persecutions, plural. So for those who decide to indeed forsake all and follow Christ, be ready for some amazing blessings, yes, but also be prepared to face some persecutions. Don't be shocked when you are mistreated for your pursuit of the Lord because not everyone thinks it's inspiring. Not everyone is encouraged by your dedication. Not everybody thinks it's good that you have forsaken your old habits, your old friends, your old ways in order to follow Christ. Uh, They become convicted and they don't like it and so they take it out upon you. Paul warned Timothy about the fact that they were that uh, there would be persecutions. He said in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So those who decide to live a godly life, guess what? Uh, You have something to look forward to, persecutions. Now this seems strange to say, but persecutions are actually part of the blessing and the promise. Because it is truly an honor to suffer for the Lord's sake. 1 Peter 3, verse 14 says, But if, but and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, this is not a word that I would have chosen to use, but Peter says, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. If ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. Um, That's not a word that, again, I would have picked there. Neither be afraid of their terror or be troubled. And then in 1 Peter 4.14, it says, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, he uses that same phrase again, Happy are ye. Like, if I become reproached for the name of Christ, I don't go around high-fiving Brother Blake. Hey, we just got persecuted. Let's go celebrate. Um, no, it's not something that we're naturally happy, but but when you stop and think about, hey, we are being persecuted for the Lord's sake. It's a true honor. It's a true honor. And so here he gives the promises to these disciples and to us if we are to pursue the Lord and forsake all in order to follow him. What are those promises? Present blessings, persecutions, but then also permanent blessings. At the end of verse number 30, it says with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life now if present blessings aren't enough to encourage you to truly motivate you to pursue the lord then here's the other promise in the world to come eternal life now to be clear this does not mean that we can earn eternal life by forsaking all no that's not how it's not how it works Eternal life is a gift for those who repent of their sins and believe on Christ. And if you're here and you've never done that, you cannot earn salvation by uh, forsaking all and for following Him. But because it's a free gift, so it cannot be earned in any way. But uh, but here in Mark chapter ten, the thought is that those who forsake all and follow Christ are rewarded there in glory as well as here on earth. Now, we find this truth in the event known as the judgment seat of Christ for believers, which will take place during the tribulation period. And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, our works are going to be tried by fire in that day. And those things which are done for Christ with the right heart will be rewarded. Those things which are wood, hay, and stubble are going to be burned up, and we're going to suffer loss on those things, but we're going to still be saved. And what kind of rewards is Paul referring to there in 1 Corinthians chapter 3? Well, just to name a couple, there's going to be crowns that uh, we will receive. Those who follow Christ and, and forsake all and serve Him, there are crowns that we'll be able to cast at the feet of Christ as a gift. There's also the reward of the ability to rule and reign with Him. Turn your Bible real quick, Just uh, we'll do a little uh, aside here and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I just want to show you this particular passage because this is what Jesus is referring to when He says, and in the world to come, eternal life, uh, some of those rewards that are laying up, we're, we're, we're waiting for us in glory. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 1 says, Dare any of you, having a matter against another... Go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. And then he he says this in verse number two. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not, verse three says, that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Okay, going back to Mark chapter 10. There's the record here that we are going to rule and reign with Him here on this earth when uh, during the millennial reign of Christ, and we're going to judge angels. Say, how is that going to look? I don't exactly know. But God's Word says it, and it's going to happen. These are some of those permanent blessings that... Um, that God's going to give to those who forsake all in order to follow Him. And and perhaps there's others that are not mentioned in the Word of God that we just don't quite understand or know. So let's be faithful to forsake the world and follow Christ. So here we see the pursuit of the disciples, the promises for the disciples. And finally in verse 31, let's look at the position of the disciples. Verse 31, but many that are first shall be last and the last first. And possibly the Lord even pointed back to that young man who went away grieved as he said this. You see, the Lord's value system is much different than the world's value system. In the eyes of society, the rich young ruler would have been accepted as first, and the disciples would have been dismissed as last. But God does not judge as men do. The things this world puts prominence on are not important in the eyes of God. These men likely had failed to understand it, but they were much richer than the young man who walked away from Jesus. Think about it, in this world, there are those who come in first place. I mean, who comes in first place when it comes to finances here in this world? Well, Elon Musk is a household name as the one with the most money in the world with a net worth of over two hundred and nineteen billion dollars. He's a quarter of a trillionaire. (laughs) What about in sports? Well, there's always a heated debate about who is first on the list of best athletes in each sport. Uh, When it comes to basketball, there's a big debate on whether Michael Jordan or LeBron James is the best basketball player to ever play the game. And uh, I am not a LeBron fan, (laughs) so I pick Jordan for sure. In football, there's a debate about whether or not Tom Brady is the best of all time. Because he's on the New England Patriots, I'll never say that he's the best uh, of all time. In hockey, uh, whether it's Wayne Gretzky or Bobby Orr or now Connor McDavid is in the conversation. How many have heard the name Connor McDavid? Just my family. That's what I thought. (laughs) That's exactly what I thought. You're like, who's Connor McDavid? He plays for the Edmonton Oilers, and they're in the playoffs, and he's making a having a great season in the playoffs, and he's already in the conversation as one of the best players of all time. Look, we can go on and on with sports. What about in fame and in followers? Well, in social media, the social media world, Cristiano Ronaldo has the most followers all over social media with an ever-growing audience. One website stated that he has over 517 million followers across social media platforms. And uh, he's a soccer player, in case you're wondering. And then Justin Bieber came in second place with 455 million followers. So after I read that, I checked my Facebook this week. (laughs) How many followers do I have? Let's just say I'm a tad shy of those numbers. Look, we may not have the possessions or the popularity or notoriety in this life that others may have, but in heaven, it will be a different story. Think about Hebrews chapter number 11. This chapter lists those in the Old Testament who lived by faith, and some were notable, and others were pretty obscure. And yet their names are recorded in the eternal word of God. They may have been forgotten here on earth, but in heaven they are towards the front of the line. I think of uh, Luke chapter number 16. There are two men mentioned in that chapter. One who would be considered first here on this earth, and another one who would be considered last we have the rich man who I'm sure many people knew Bible says he lived it up he lived uh, he fared sumptuously every day according to the scriptures what does the word sumptuously mean it means expensively splendidly with great magnificence so this rich man in Luke chapter 16 no doubt probably had the greatest that this world could offer as far as a home goes he had all the amenities he had the marble uh, the marble counters and he had all uh, the gold fixtures and he had it all as far as the food goes I mean he had I, I, I have had some good steaks in my life but I've never had a gold plated steak but I understand that they exist gold plated steak I imagine he had all of that and he had all the nice clothing and and I'm sure the 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 sweetest chariot in the land you know um, but it is interesting. He was famous and first here on earth, but in in heaven's record, we actually don't even know his name. Luke chapter 16, try as you might, you're not going to find the name of the rich man. He's only referred to as the rich man. I'm sure everybody knew his name. He uh, probably made the news on a nightly basis there, but, uh, We don't even know his name. He may have been first here on earth, but in life eternal, he was last. Then there was the other man in Luke chapter 16, a poor man, a beggar of a man. Probably no one even knew his name on this earth or even cared what this homeless man's name was. But we know his name is Lazarus. See, he was last here on earth, but in life eternal, he was first. So the point is, friend, don't chase the first position here on earth, determined to pursue a close relationship with Christ by forsaking all and follow him. Judson W. Van Deventer was raised in a Christian home. And at age 17, Judson accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. He graduated university with a degree in art and was employed successfully as a teacher and administrator of a high school art department. He traveled extensively visiting the various art galleries throughout Europe. Van de Venter also studied and taught music. He mastered 13 different instruments, sang and composed music. He was very involved in the music ministry of his church and eventually found himself torn between his successful teaching career and his desire to be part of a ministry team. The struggle within lasted for almost five years. We fast forward five years later, and in 1896, Van Deventer was conducting the music of a church event. And it was during these meetings that he finally surrendered his desires completely to God. He made the decision to become a full-time evangelist. And as he submitted completely to the will of his Lord, a song was born in his heart. What were the words to this special song? All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him, in his presence, daily live. The second stanza of that song says All to Jesus, I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow, worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. I surrender all. I surrender all all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. What is God asking you to surrender today? I'll just say this. He's asking you to surrender it all. Not to say that you have to actually leave it all. Say, I'm not gonna leave my wife. I don't want to leave my wife. I don't think God's asking me to. He's asking me to stay married to my wife. But the things that we have in our lives, our possessions, you think about it, our future. You teenagers, as you consider what God has for your future. Uh, Let's let's say that this key here is to your future. And this key is to all your finances. And this key here is to your friends. And this key here is to your family. And you, 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 you kind of name the different things in your life. God doesn't want us to hold it like this. Please, God, don't take any of it. I want it all for me. He wants us to hold it like this. Say, God, I'm going I'm to hold on to it, but I'm not going to hold on to it. If you want to take it, I surrender all. And so I want to encourage all of us to kind of release the grip on the things of this life. Some of us have some things in our grip and it's like, God, you can't have that. You can't have my future. That's mine. I've got plans, man. I, I'm not going to let anything come in, in between and, and stop me from fulfilling my dreams. And we're grasping onto it. Let go of the grip. It's not to say that God's going to completely take it away, but let him if he chooses to. Our finances, our friends, you, you name it. Let's have the heart like the disciples did, willing to forsake all so that we might effectively follow him. Let's pray together today. Lord, we do thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage of scripture. Lord, I'm thankful for Peter opening his mouth here and saying, hey, what, what would happen for those who do forsake all and follow you? Lord, we're grateful for the promises that you gave in that moment that don't just apply to the disciples, but they, just, they apply to us too if we're willing to pursue the Lord. And Lord, help us to remember the position that we may have in this life. We may not have everything, we may not be noticed, or we may never. our names may, may never trend on Twitter. But Lord, that doesn't really matter when it comes to eternal things. And Lord, help us to not chase the first position in this life, but instead to follow you and let you uh, direct our path and to give us the position that you desire to give us in eternal, in, in your economy, in your values. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take to heart what we looked at this morning in your word. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask Ms. Pat to begin playing and... And as she does, um, I want to invite you to have a time of prayer and decision there in your seat as God has spoken to your heart today.